This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists. For more about UBCP Actra, visit ubcp.com. That's ubcp.com. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Furminger, and today I'm delighted, nay, I am well chuffed, to welcome Linda Boyd to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Now, I told you I got a thesis statement, so here comes the thesis statement. Linda Boyd, Linda Joan Boyd, is a fierce and take-no-prisoners actress based in Vancouver. We saw her mad skills on Republic of Doyle, where she played the similarly fierce and take-no-prisoners Rose, and on Tin Star, where she portrayed Roadhouse owner Randy. Linda racked up dozens of credits since her first big on-screen gig, playing a woman who was propositioned by a mutant killer with fire-controlling abilities in an early episode of The X-Files, and her lengthy, genre-hopping filmography includes roles in Sanctuary, Arrow, The Age of Adeline, Supernatural, The L Word, The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, Virgin River, and a Hallmark movie where she played Meghan Markle's mother. And one of my favorite recent Linda Linda Joan Boyd roles is where she played HBIC Rosanna on a hospital show. That means head bitch in charge. (laughs) A workplace comedy about a medical drama that also stars Sarah Canning, Adam Graydon-Reed, Adrian Holmes, Enid Ray Adams, Kristen Lehman, Valerie Tian, and Jordan Connor. I've interviewed Linda only once before for an article that ran on the YVR Screen Scene site. And I gotta tell you, her origin story could be its own miniseries. She's the youngest of eight kids who grew up singing and dancing. She went to theater school and promptly quit and then joined a band and ended up in Tokyo where she sang jingles and modeled and worked in a Roppongi bar called Maggie's Revenge, which was owned by an Australian woman named Maggie. Linda was all set to sing back up on a reunion tour with the Jaguars when she popped home to Vancouver for a visit and broke her ankle playing basketball in Oppenheimer Park. And in the wake of that ankle break, she decided that acting was the way to go after all. Is it weird that I'm grateful that Linda is arguably really bad at basketball? Because I sure as hell love seeing Linda Joan Boyd on my screen, and I'd hate to imagine a world where we'd have been deprived of that. So I told you there were going to be Whole Foods drivers. (laughs) There's the beeping. So today we're going to talk about Linda's wild journey through this business and this life. We're going to talk about Rose and Newfoundland and mental health and being a woman in an industry that hasn't always valued our worth. And we're going to play a spirited round of favorite things and get to know this bright, bright, fierce and take no prisoners light. Linda Boyd, Linda Joan Boyd, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I'm so happy to be here and I love my thesis. Like, oh, it's like so, so no rebuttal? No, I've got nothing to rebut. 
if that's a word. Okay, I, I thought you, like when I was writing this, I'm like, is she gonna be mad that I said she's arguably bad at basketball? But I thought that it would be like, it, like the fact that you broke your ankle <laughs> playing basketball would like. I'm actually pretty good at basketball. I was going in for a layup shot and I stepped on someone's, the guy that was checking me, I stepped on his foot and my ankle did one of these 360s. Ah! I was at the hospital that just shortly thereafter. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm actually pretty good at basketball. Just that one day, it wasn't well, working out. I'm grateful. Hey. I'm grateful that. Cool. Actually, no, you're arguably bad. You broke your ankle <laughs> playing basketball. You're bad. Okay. Um, we are in the midst of a global pandemic. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I'm saying that because, you know, these, these interviews are kind of timeless. So I'm imagining that somebody years from now right. is listening to this yeah. in, in, the, in the after COVID times. Do you remember times? in the old days, <laughs> the COVID? I know. Do you know, it's interesting. My mother and father, uh, my father was a Canadian soldier during oh. World War II. And my mother was a British farm girl, shop girl. Um, and uh, I guess they met in a pub. Anyway, they got married during the war. And then my mom crossed the Atlantic with a nine-month-old baby by herself, oh. landed in Halifax, took the train all the way across. Pier 21? Yep, Pier yeah. 21. War brides, right? Yeah. Anyway, and, and she would tell us stories about you know being a kid and having to dive under the... Um, the bed at night because the bombs were going off and just the lack of butter and sugar and basic things that people needed and I kind of go yeah and then there was after that the Cold War and Korea Mm. and Vietnam and blah 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 like every generation has lived through something like that yeah this to me this pandemic feels like a war Were you listening yesterday? I was si- I was sitting across the street at a patio, socially distanced from my friend Stephen Lobo, who was a guest on the show. Love and Steven. I said something similar. Yeah. I said this. I, I wonder if this is what it felt like, you know, during a war, because you know, not necessarily the people on the front lines, but the people who were that, at home, yeah. you know, for for years. And you're you're there is for this years. horror, horror in the air. There's terror. There's this, the threat of death. And yet you're also going through the mundane things of life. Just well. try and have some kind of normal, normal feeling. Yeah. In life, right. Yeah. The day to day stuff suddenly becomes really valuable because it gives you a sense of purpose and sanity and stuff. But I do. I kind of feel like there's this war going on. But it's the first time, I think, in so many years that all of humanity you know, it's not just the situation in the Middle East, and it's not something over there. It's all of us are having yeah. to to experience this at the same time. And I, I just feel, like I said to you before we even started talking, I really feel like this was needed in the world because things could not keep going the way they were going in terms of climate change, in terms of... Um, uh, Late stage consumerism and late stage capitalism. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Globalization, um, the fact that, you know, Trump and Putin and the nut bar in North Korea, those, that's who's running our world right now. Yeah. They're all dictators, yeah. you know, and, and so something had to change that. And I guess this is what the universe came up with and went, I know, we're going to shut her down. Yeah. And everybody stay home and we're going to, yeah, things gonna are going to change. And this. it does feel like things are going to change. And they are changing in terms of like George Floyd, you know, Black Lives Matter. It's finally people are listening and going, Oh right, geez, they've been treated t- t- terribly for four hundred years. Yeah, you know. So I really do feel like it's uh, we're waking up, and we everyone's being forced to wake the f up. 
You can absolutely swear oh, on you this can fucking swear. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we have earned our, our parental advisory explicit rating on oh, the great. iTunes. Oh, so yeah. you've got the 18 plus yeah. thing going on. Okay. Well, that's, um, you'll unleash the Kraken. <laughs> or release it. Um, I, I'm sure our listeners can realize now just from that answer why I really, really wanted you uh on the podcast. Mm. How are you doing though with like in, in the in the wake of COVID? And- okay, well, let me tell you, this is what I did. As soon as I was on Supergirl actually in March this year, playing um, Eve Tessmachler's mother. Oh. And, but I shot one little tiny scene where I got reunited with Eve. And, and then- Andrea Brooks. Brooks right? yeah, 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 lovely girl, so just nice. so lovely. And, and then I was supposed to go back and shoot the rest of it on Tuesday, March. Uh, 17. No! St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> of course, that didn't happen. No. And then I went, oh, everything's shutting down. I don't have to get in front of a camera. <laughs> I started eating <laughs> everything <laughs> I've designed myself. I, got, I started making lasagna with pounds of cheese and oh. sausage and meat. And, you know, eating quite a bit. I put on, I'm not kidding, 17 pounds. Same. This is the most I have weighed. <laughs> so for me, the, you know, my two big extravagances during, you know, phase one of the of the pandemic what? were I realized or I learned that Cobbs delivers via Skip the Dishes. Cobbs being a bakery in bakery. Vancouver. Okay. And um, so I would order early in the morning <laughs> pan au chocolat and fresh oh, croissants and oh. a big loaf. Everybody else is like, you know, baking and they're trying sourdough, to do their sourdough. And I'm like, I'm like what? Why sourdough? The other extravagance uh, was um, I had a Dairy Queen <laughs> deliver. Because <laughs> we weren't going outside. It was really careful because yeah. of our immunocompromised household, right? Yeah. So I had blizzards <laughs> and dilly bars <laughs> delivered. And I'm like, this is so extravagant. <laughs> So it's eight blocks fun. away. Okay, but that's a pandemic, so. Yeah, no, and it made oh. me feel happy, you know. Yes. It wasn't destructive. It was like, it was, you know, it was <laughs> yeah, a few it's seconds not of joy. Until, okay, so cut to a month ago when, an, oh, we're auditioning again? Okay, all right, I can audition because the only one head and shoulders. I'm not showing them the bottom half here. So then I joined a boot camp. So I'm going to boot camp three times a week. I also bought a treadmill that's in the garage, so I'm on that bloody thing on the alternate days yeah i have been on the exit for the last three weeks i've i've been on an exercise cycle every day for an hour and i i hate working out okay like, me too my personality honestly it's like i i drink eight cups of coffee and i hate working out and now i've gone down to one cup of coffee and i'm i'm working out the only way i can do it is i'm watching netflix or yeah, like yeah I, i'm watching Battlestar on amazon prime like i'm just you know okay. trying to like yep. distract yourself distract from the myself pain. yeah <laughs> well this boot camp is actually really fun and i am with venus sued I would go to a boot camp if it was you and Venus Sud at the same time. We get in trouble all the time because we're like, oh, did you hear the one about the It's like, girls, be quiet. Sorry, sorry. And and then I go, it was Vina. Vina started it. (laughs) That's what the kind of friend you are. Oh, my God. But she tortures us. We run up mountains, it seems, and then do five million squats. And like by the end of it, I am dripping wet. Yeah. But lit, literally, I've now let's see, where am I at? I told the wardrobe department at Virgin River, because um, I'm going back, I'm starting that on Monday. Yeah. It's my third season on Virgin River. And uh, this is a sad story for my character, Lily. Um, I, I'm actually, I can't tell you. Yeah, I was going to say. Stop like, right there. Stop, yeah. But the thing is, um, 
I'm a little bit heavier than I was last season. And so I told costume department to just put me up a size or two in the clothing. Yeah. Because that would make the illusion that I've lost weight and my clothes now hang off me. <laughs> so I, I, think, I think there might be some illness in her future. I don't know. <laughs> You're, you confirm or, or yeah. No, she's not confirming or denying it. Yeah. I'm just I'm just guessing. I, can't, I would get shot by Netflix yeah. if I said that a word. Would be, that's actually a really good strategy. Because this, yeah. this, well, or at least up until a month ago, was the most I've weighed since I was pregnant. And like just buying like mad, like two sizes larger. Yeah. And and then just swim in it, and then also Joe comfort. Fresh, man. Like yeah, it's cheap. <laughs> yes, Joe Fresh, or and then you can wash George, it, give it, or give it away yeah. when you actually do get smaller. So I'm about halfway there in my journey back to my what I call um, my fighting weight, where I feel like I look good on camera and don't have several chins. Yeah. Um. Uh, although I would, I'm really, I'm trying to model body positivity for my <gasps> oh, daughter sure. as well. I am too. And but so like, but I'm also, I'm not on screen. Right. You know, so I'm like, I, I, I don't mind the, the chins. It was also the, it was the lethargy and the sadness <laughs> and the despair and the, the uh, like a pair of boobs yeah. that I never had before. <laughs> I got to get like cups yeah. on the side. No, get cups on the side <laughs> or find one that pulls all of the side fat around and then suddenly I'm a teacup and I'm going wait a minute I was Linda Bored in school because I was flat chested I was so flat I was indented that's what Ryan Van Hatton <laughs> ran after me for a whole hour when I was in grade 8 at recess okay. you're and so flat you're indented I, I you know what yeah yeah he's probably got a crappy job in some crappy town <laughs> And living in a crappy that, that trailer. Was, that was his moment. That was yeah. his moment was yelling Listen, at me. I had a guy in grade one through seven who tortured me because I was the fattest kid in school. I was. I was a very fat kid. He made my life a living hell. And um, I've, I mean, I've been bulimic and all these things just trying to overcome my horrible oh. body image, right? Um, anyway, I ran into him at... Uh, was it a 30th high school reunion? Something like that. And I turned around and there he was and I went, oh, I won't say his name, but I said, you made my life a living hell in elementary school and I will never forgive you. And I turned my back on him. And then I got this message on Facebook from him a couple of months later and he said, I'm so, I just am so sorry that I did that. I. I don't know why. I don't know why I was that way. Can I can I take you for lunch? And he took me for lunch and he bought me gifts and he bought, put a card in there It said, boys can grow up you know it was really sweet wow. yeah yeah and then he wanted to date me oh and i thought this is the last person i'm going to show my naked body yeah. to because you're the reason why <laughs> yeah such horrible body wow, image the entitlement of that i know i know you got hot and some buying yeah. gifts you and got, I, I said and i'm thinking you. you got old and ugly <laughs> so no yeah, talk to yeah, forget it. it's not happening yeah wow yeah. okay yeah. linda okay. linda 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 let's dial it back no, okay, no, oh. but I, like I love this so much, and I I think that we could do this for like hours. <laughs> I've got but lots of time. You got some time. Um, I, I, let's do some time travel. Okay. Speak. What are you looking at? What, what, what's well, I'm just. You've got so many little figures on your shelf, and I. That's I, who I was when I was a kid. Like I was. You collected these. These guys? were mine from when I was I was a kid. All of these Star Trek figures and X Men figures and, and superheroes and yeah, sup yeah. I love Superman. I have a Superman. Um, tattoo on my stomach wow because did they know that when when they cast you on supergirl uh no i wasn't going around flashing that because it's right on my abdomen but no they don't know that the, wow. only, the reason i love the superman logo i'm not a huge but it's meant to be is what i'm saying like oh that. Yeah. that yeah well okay i did a play in 1996 at the arts club called poor superman written by Brad Fraser. Oh, um, that's why it's familiar, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very famous Canadian playwright. Yeah. So poor Superman, 
the play opened at the Arts Club July 4th, 1996. And then exactly five years later, July 4th, 2001, I was in Winnipeg shooting the movie version yeah. of Poor Superman, which they had to change the name for legal reasons to Leaving Metropolis. And then when I finished the movie, I came home and decided I wanted to forever commemorate the Superman mystique or logo or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I had uh, that put on my stomach. What is it that you like about Superman? Like, what are, what are the qualities that really resonate with you? Oh, gosh. Um, the kindness, looking out for the, you know, the people that are being hurt or, yeah. Especially because he's a refugee from another world, you know, and he too. comes and he's like, he, do, he does good here. Yes. Yeah. Do exactly. No yeah. 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 Superheroes are interesting. Like, um, in, like why they became part of the zeitgeist and why they're so important and why like my little grandson is this like so into all the superheroes and yeah. X-Men and yeah just Marvel, like you were Avengers yeah just and like, for me as a bullied kid I mean we do have that in common like this I, I think that there was there was there was adventure there was distraction there was escapism yeah. but there was also hope you know, hope that it would get better. And yeah. also, you know, I grew up, I, I spent my, especially my t- my teen years in like, well, no, like prepubescent years in a predominantly white community where I, I was became very keenly aware of my otherness, you know, but then I would watch sci-fi and I would see, you know, a version of the future where everyone is different yeah. and everyone's included. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was, now granted, I've kind of adjusted my expectations now where I'm like, actually, I want to see people like me in the stuff that takes place now, you know? Right. And that, but like back then it was something I really, I really helped held on to. Oh, um, it's amazing. So. I know. That's and, and I'm like I've got the attention span of a fruit fly, so it's like, <laughs> oh look. Shiny ca- thing. There's a California raisin up there. There is a California raisin. <laughs> <laughs> you and know what? I'm gonna I, head. I'm gonna take um I'm gonna there's lots of Princess Leia yeah. there. Yeah, well that's a Pez dispenser. Oh good. That's oh, another one of my oh, yes. my collections. Yes. Yeah. I got um, some, a bunch of Star Wars Pez. We, we, I, I will take a picture of this okay. and put it and put it out on the Instagram. Okay. So people can see what it is. What the talking. hell it keeps making Linda go, yeah. squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot. It's so distracting, actually. Okay, but back in time, what Keep kind? Me. What kind of a like? What kind of a kid were you? Oh well, youngest of eight. Um, I was spoiled rotten because my older siblings, because there was a there's a 19 year gap between. Whoa! Yeah, my oldest sister, who was born during the war, yeah, came over on the boat with Mama, and then me. I'm the youngest. Um, uh, the older kids all got jobs. And so suddenly, and they grew up quite poor, actually. Yeah. Um, I remember my oldest sister saying, we didn't have enough money for um, for shoes, so my mom would cut, oh, it's gonna make me cry. She'd cut out the cornflakes box in the shape of a insole and put those in the shoes so that- It would last. They'd last, last a bit longer. <gasps> oh my God, it makes me wanna cry. Um, and but, then, this, but there's strength in that too. It like there's there's strength in the in the um, resilient. The resilient. My mother was the strongest you know? person I know. She's and just freaking strong. And then you know when she was thirty, she had twins. Oof. Did I tell you this? They had twins, and back in the fifties, they didn't know about preemies that uh, incubation would ruin their eyes. And <gasps> the doctors blinded my brothers as babies. <sighs> So then I'm thinking, well, you should have stopped after that, Mama, because then she had two more kids, right? But um, yeah, like uh, the stuff that's happened in my family, I would say, is fairly tragic. Yeah. And I think my older siblings are much stronger than me um, emotionally. I think because 
they they came from not having into having and um but they just they're resilient um and I'm really lucky that I'm in this family because they've kind of picked me up many times when I've been a little pile of tears yeah. you know whether I in my 40s I had a really bad year I hardly booked any jobs I was going to go bankrupt and my sister would just get let go of your apartment and come live with me you know that kind of thing wow. it just saved me all the yeah. time because I, I yeah Ah, it's feeling. it's wonderful that you allowed yourself to be saved in that kind of way too. I mean, because there's a resilience, honestly, as somebody who is a hot mess of a broken woman, like you know, pretty much all the time. Um, I describe myself as emotionally drunk, but like you know, <laughs> asking asking for for help, yeah. allowing yourself to receive help, you know, surviving. My God, like there's some days where I get out of bed and I'm like. All right, I'm gonna like like this. This is the thing I did today, and that needs to be celebrated. I yeah. got out of bed. I got it. Yeah. Or no. the days where I'm like, I gotta stay in bed, you know, and then acknowledging that, like, you know. So I think that I mean, I think resilience has a lot of different faces. Uh, yeah, right? I, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. So Linda Boyd's child was spoiled rotten, but at school bullied. So I had this real dichotomy, and of God, everybody here loves me and then I'd go to school and you know hey blubbo hey lardo hey it Makes just so oh my god I still it's funny I walk by my old elementary school and I, I I love the school but I still get overwhelmed feelings of of um that time in my life when yeah. I, when I as a child I was so self-conscious of my body and and I was praying that nobody would make single me out yeah. you know and and make everyone look and laugh, you know? Anyway, weirdly enough, as I started to get older, and the the year between grade seven and grade eight, so going into junior high, I was in a musical, a gigantic musical, based on Alice in Wonderland. And it was at the Coliseum at the PE in oh. the 70s, yeah. Um, and it was giant, like there was at least 200 of us in the cast and choir and orchestra. Oh my gosh. And I, I want to see that like right now. I know it was, it, the music was, <laughs> I still remember there was one song that Alice sang when she went down the rabbit hole. She wanted to go home and she was like, Dear Mom and Dad, I miss you. Guess you miss me too. And I tell you where to find me if I only knew. Gee, I'd like to call you, but I haven't seen a phone. Oh, Mom and Dad, I miss you. How's my kitty and my home? That was written oh. by Jim and Judy Walchuk, who are wow. brilliant, brilliant songwriters, and and um, they created this beautiful musical. And um, anyway, I lost a bunch of weight and grew tall, so I went back to high school and. All of a sudden, boys were noticing me mm. and not teasing me. Now it, it freaked the crap out of me. Yeah, wasn't ready for that. So yeah, it's just you know one. Then that's hard when you're like that's a tough time too with hormones and stuff. Oh, and God, then yeah. like and then you're like, so what is my worth then? You know. Well, yeah. <laughs> and like, is that like I find that if the boys like me, I guess I'm worthy. Yeah, that's, and that's the mindset. Fucking bullshit. And I like know. as as a parent, like trying to yeah, I know. to like lay a foundation. You know, in this like I I see a lot of my 
my job as a parent is prote- is like nurturing a light and protecting a light, you know, because I see it there and she's nine, there's confidence and there's like, yeah. like she sparkles and I'm like, yeah. my God, I just like, I, I, I don't want this world to, to, to burn, to, take to the take light out or, lo- or dim it, you know? Yeah. But I feel, I feel like you're doing the right thing. Like she has her own identity and her own strengths and her own self-worth. Yeah. It doesn't come from outside. And yeah. those of us who have in the past allowed that to come from outside, like especially going into this kind of business where it's based on what you look like. Yeah. In theater, not so much, but definitely television. Um, I've had a lot of plastic surgery. <laughs> yeah, you had mentioned that uh, during our, our first yeah. uh, conversation. Yeah. Because um, I, I know that like a lot of people have a lot of plastic surgery, mm. in, in especially in this industry, but I other than a couple of my friends who had breast reductions and are really excited about how much better they feel, they yeah. don't talk about it, you know? Oh, so I'm, I tell everyone, because yeah. I'm, I'm a lot older than I look only because I've had, you know, facelift. And um, as soon as somebody tell, says, oh my God, like I have my eight-year-old grandson, inevitably, you're a grandmother? And I go, oh yeah, I've had a facelift though. And they, they're taken aback. It's like, why would you admit that? It's like, I'm not gonna take credit for something that's bullshit. Yeah. I am behind this facade of a face that's been pulled up. There's an old lady. <laughs> do you feel, do you know your worth now? Like, do you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I do. And and I know because I, I, every once in a while, well, during COVID, when I stopped really thinking about acting anymore and going, is this what it's going to be like now? We're we just going to float along and I'm going to weigh 300 pounds by Christmas. <laughs> but, and I went, no. Uh, um, so I got my new demo, I cut a new demo reel oh. during that time. And I thought, I just need to remember that I actually can do this. And actually, I'm really good at it. Yeah. When did that happen? You know what I mean? So I finally, that was a good time to, instead of trying to get another job, trying to get another job, I had to stop and go, just value what you've done so far, lady. Because yeah. if you scroll me on IMDb, you keep your finger on that down arrow for a really long time. Because I've been doing this for like over 30 years. And yeah. now, you know, some people come out of the gate and they're like chomping and ready to go. I have never been that person. I am, yeah. you know. I wonder what kind of, you know, what ifs are always, they're yeah. interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. Like it like it's, can be a good exercise. Like I wonder what kind of career you would have had if you had stayed the course at, at um, Studio 58 and not gone all, on all those other adventures and, oh. and done other things and had this whole other life, you know, and then be taken out by how bad you are at basketball. Um, <laughs> you know, but like it's, I, like I, lo- I love like the richness of like that that I'm assuming your experiences elsewhere, you know, bring to this career. Like, have you thought about that? What would have happened if you had like actually found a place at Studio Fifty Eight and and what and loved it? <laughs> sort of become a theater actor. From yeah. Ever, I think when I started doing theater, uh, my first job was at the Arts Club, 1983. I did a show called El Grande de Coca Cola. And it's <laughs> a great title. I, oh my God, we all had to speak <laughs> fake Spanish. We were this group of really crappy entertainers, um, but we called it El Grande de Coca Cola. We lived in Honduras, and um, we called it that because my uncle Pepe drove a Coca Cola truck, and we thought that would be like advertising if we called our show El Grande de Coca Cola. And then we would do our little acts. Um, uh, anyway, but. One thing I, I miss lo- theater, by the way. I miss I miss all kinds of plays. Like I'm like I would want to see that. It sounds bonkers. Oh my god, it was so much <laughs> so fun. much fun. Yeah, so much fun learning. <laughs> they called it 
how would you say, I don't know, it was Spanglish. Like Spanglish, we, yeah. Yeah, or something like that. Um, but one thing I noticed sort of in the 80s when I was doing quite a bit of theater, like that's how I kind of made my money then, um, I just noticed some older actors that I respected seemed, it's like they lived out of a suitcase even in their 50s and 60s, like they'd line up a season, maybe Shaw or maybe all across the country, Winnipeg, and I thought, no, that's not what I want to do. And I always thought, I'm never going to be a starving artist. I'm going to, I'll learn something else. I'll become a gym teacher or something. But I do not want to be a starving artist. Because mm. it's hard enough to be a fucking artist. Yeah. I want to be paid, man. Because we're storytellers and we're reflecting back humanity. And you're offering something of value. Yeah. I mean, which, which the pandemic, like I knew it, but... Other people, you know, who might not have, have had the have an appreciation of what, you know, performing, what entertain, yeah. entertainment has. Like, what what did people go to for their for you know a break for mental health? Yeah, Netflix. Yeah, you know, you're yeah. like you're watching Netflix. The you're, content, yeah, There's content, been, like and podcasts. I mean, <laughs> and podcasts, and obviously, podcasts. obviously, yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> screen scene, yeah, obviously, <laughs> um, yeah, that's exactly what it was. People needed to escape. Yeah, so, and I mean, I got into like, I watched four seasons of Animal Kingdom, which just was so good. Ellen so Barkin, good, yeah, yeah. oh my gosh, and uh, what else was I watching? Um, all kinds of stuff. The Crown. Anything yeah, I, that I'd put on the list, I've got to watch this. Well, guess what? It's time. You it's went time. through your list. <laughs> you know, my mom was sending me all of these names of like, you know, different like period dramas that she was watching. Because um, for her, that was True Escape. But I went, I went like sci-fi. That was my thing. Oh, okay. You know, I, and sci-fi fantasy was one. Order, Warrior Nun, which is so Warrior so, Nun? Uh, Warrior Nun. So, you know, Simon Barry? Yeah. Uh, is his show. And uh, But it's it takes place um, when in... When did they make that? They made this... Uh, he was in Spain for six months last year. Okay. And so, but, so like, a year after, they they released it. Oh it's my, so good. Oh, it's, my God. Thank you for telling me. I yeah. Didn't, no, it's I amazing and really, really cool uh, women characters in oh, that. Oh, uh, And I've been watching Umbrella Academy. Oh, and Motherland Fort's, Motherland Fort Salem, which is... Uh, it's a actually Amanda Tapping is now the producing director on it. Um, oh, fantastic! Yeah, but it's a it Love is a, it is an alternate reality where the witches in Fort Salem. Um, well, one we're actually witches, you know, like really tuned into the mm-hmm. the dark side, and um, they enter into an agreement with the American government where the witches actually become the military arm of of the states so America looks different so anyway it's oh my gosh what's yeah. it called again it's called Motherland Fort Salem Motherland yeah. Fort Salem is yeah. that Netflix it's not Netflix um, it's free form so I, I watched it on I just like would like rented from iTunes yeah. oh okay okay yeah. cool I didn't know about that yeah. one um, that was shot here yeah it's shot here Who's in it? Do you know anybody? That, uh, I can't remember the the uh, the actress's names. Uh, but Cat uh, Cat Quist. Yeah, uh, she plays a very powerful general in the show. Oh, great! Um, Jill Morrison. Um, she's a military officer, but who also teaches the girls how to. Oh, because part part of it is the the women harness their um, power through. Um, Sexual energy, you know. So Jill teaches them how to how to do that. Oh, oh I don't want to tell you that much okay. more. You got to experience. I got to watch it. Okay. Um, sure. Can we talk about Rose? Yeah. Can we talk about Republican Doyle? Yeah. Um, because I, I'm sure there were people that this was this may maybe be what might have been what they were binging, you know, during the yeah, during the COVID, right? Um, you know, and um, I know that when we were shooting, like after the first season. Um, 
which was back in 2010, I think it, it premiered. Um, next thing I know, I was getting, okay, can you do an interview with Rolling Stones Brazil? Because hmm. it was showing there, it was showing in the craziest places, the Arab Emirates, um, Thailand, like really? at least 96 countries had bought Republic of Doyle. And then what happened was the next summer when we went back to start season two, suddenly tourism took off like gangbusters yeah. because people all over the world were going, that place looks like a magical place. I want to go there. And well, it, I, it went up 30%. I don't even, tourism. like I... I mean, I know for myself personally, I, and you hear the Whole Foods, hey, oh, Whole yeah. Foods drivers. Can I have like a quinoa um, Slurpee? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I've, I'm born in Quebec, spent my childhood in Quebec, Ontario, moved to Vancouver, oh, yeah, BC I was after. Ask you um, where but, you grew up. Yeah, but I've never been to Newfoundland. And it was watching that show and also getting to know like the Newfoundlanders in our midst, including Sarah Canning, including yeah. Amory Louise, um, where I'm like, this place looks amazing, yeah. you know, and like the and the the way that that they like the, they tell stories yes. and it's just it's so it, it's kitchen parties. Yeah, I have, tell me about like the Newfoundland like character oh. and the approach to storytelling, you know? Yeah, well, everyone's a storyteller, and and um, and everyone's so outgoing. Like you don't wear a filter of societal norm or something you yeah. just go hey, hey how are you if it's come over for dinner i'll put another uh, lobster in the pot or something and god's sakes for god's sakes um people are so nice and i've had a couple of newfoundlanders tell me oh no they're not nice they're just nosy they just want to know who you are yeah. <laughs> but i didn't i didn't find that i very yet i was a bit like when i got that job i thought it was a six-month gig in newfoundland well boy oh boy i've never been farther than toronto um, oh, this will be good. Yeah. Anyway, I took my little dog with me. Milo was, I think, uh, two years old, and we flew the twelve-hour journey because it takes twelve hours from door to door. Whoa. Plus, when you get there, it's four and a half hours ahead. So then, if you get there at night, you're screwed. Yeah. You're, you're wrecked for yeah. a whole week at least. <laughs> um, and then, um, when I first got there, it was actually weird because when I first got there. They were starting to shoot. I was the last person cast. Oh. And um, they started to shoot on July 5th. I don't know why I always remember these start dates. I love that it's always July 4th or July 5th. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I know. There's something about that. Um, so I got there, and um, they immediately wanted me to learn a Newfoundland accent. Mm. I was like, okay, I'll try. <laughs> and so they had this lovely lady from the Stratford Festival who was specifically a dialect coach for different dialects. And I worked, <laughs> I worked with her for a whole week. And at the end of it, I was like, I just, I sound like... Oh, it's manly, yes, but oh, I like it too. It sounded like an Irish Spring commercial yeah. where they were like carving that green stinky soap. Yeah. Anyway, Alan Hocko, who created the series and was playing Jake, um, he said, how's it going? Are you feeling like you're ready to shoot? And I said, well, I think you should hear my accent. <laughs> I think you should, I really do. So we met for a quick bite and I said, here, let me just read a few lines of dialogue. <laughs> it's like, oh, Malachi, Doyle. And I looked at him and he went, yeah, I said, please don't make me have this accent, please. I can't do it. I sound like an idiot. So we changed the whole trajectory yeah. that Rose came from away. She was a come from away. She was a come from away, yeah. And she had a past. So I went and got this tattoo done on Water Street in Newfoundland. I said, I'm going to go get a tat because the past that I had was I was a drug dealer and Nicholas Campbell... A-K-A. Those episodes where he came back oh were my God. so good. He's so much fun. I Wait, love you, got, you got a tattoo? 
Yeah, you I didn't said, have to get a tattoo. No, no, did you? but you know, I mean, they could paste one on every day. But <laughs> yeah. the less time I spend in a hair and makeup trailer, the better. Yeah. I, I mean, your tattoos are amazing. This this was for Tin Star. I got this one for Tin Star. Wow, <laughs> your commitment. Well, I know. There's, okay, when you hear the ulterior motive behind all this, first of all, I hate sitting in the hair and makeup trailer for more than an hour and a half because it's just, I just want to get going. Yeah. And I want to come back in my next life as a man and just go, psh, psh, you ready? Go to set. It's so fucking frustrating. Oh, I know. Eh? No, like, they come to in leave, and they... to leave to go out the door in the morning, <laughs> like even just to be like you know feel good. Right. You know, I, it's like forty five minutes to an hour. Paul goes and he just spritzes his oh, hair and it's like yeah. oh I'm done. I'm yeah. like fuck you. I'm gonna be like that from yeah. now on. He looks hot too. So Gr- it's like, yeah. Fucking annoying. Ulterior <laughs> 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 so, ter- motive. So you okay? So to- I get these tattoos for these two different series leads that I have. Yeah. And. Now, because I'm an older woman and I really have a hard time toning this part of my arm. It is impossible, yeah. I just tell a wardrobe, look, I've got some bingo arms going on. Bingo! Bingo! <laughs> I have to be in a three-quarter or four-length sleeve, no matter what you put me in. No sleeveless. Yeah. And I'm about to play a character on this show called Family Law. <gasps> You're doing Family Law? Yes, and I'm so stoked because Victor Garber's in it. <gasps> and Victor Garber was in Doyle many yeah, times as yeah, this arrogant little um, novelist. Victor, I had to take him out. We had to go out for dinner every night he was in Newfoundland. Like, I had to make all the arrangements. Okay, I could find a restaurant, and you always have to reserve tables. You did then, anyway, because everyone went out for dinner. Yeah. And one night, there's like 18 of us at this table, and we're in a private room, and um, somebody goes, Victor, do you go out for dinner every night? And he's like, well, what do you expect me to do? Sit in my hotel room and order room service? I'd rather die. <laughs> that's, that's Victor. Okay. Anyway, so oh, I'm going to work I, with I, him. I feel you, Victor. I feel oh, you. he's so fun. Anyway, this character I'm portraying, I'm going to start in a couple of weeks. Do you know who Ann Coulter is? Because I sure didn't. I wish I didn't know who Ann Coulter right. is. Well, but... my character's modeled on her. Oh, So Linda. she's just a horrible conservative harpy but anyway i was going ann colder i don't know who she is so i'm watching a bunch of youtube and she's always she's got good guns right yeah. so she's always wearing a short sleeve dress so i told wardrobe please you can't i said first of all my arms are covered in tats and it's gonna piss off the makeup department mm. just cover my arms but that's my my thing now is the bingo arms have to be covered <laughs> she did a great flick i don't know if you can hear <laughs> but it's it's great i think you look terrific um i do want to talk okay that was Rose. Did I cover it? Did I cover Newfoundland? Um, I have on. other. I have other questions. I have other questions. Okay, but just wait. I want to finish okay, okay, okay. Newfoundland. Finish, sorry. Finish, okay. <laughs> so Newfoundland. When I first went there, I didn't know a soul. Yeah. Nobody. 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 And well, I would, you knew your dog. So Milo and I would go yeah. walking, and all of the architecture there is so unlike the West Coast. Yeah. It reminded me of Poland because Poland. I've been several times um, because my ex-husband made a documentary there and. Oh, okay. uh, then we took all the kids camping in Europe and went to Poland eventually. Um, uh, the houses look different. They're big and colorful. And I was just walking around going, Milo, we're not in Kansas anymore. Because it just seemed like I was in Oz. Yeah. I didn't know where I was. And then a couple of weeks after we started Doyle, uh, swine flu shut us down. We shut down for three weeks. We all had to quarantine. Really? So I guess I've lived through a pandemic, but a very short one. Yeah. But yeah, like um, Alan got it and a bunch of the crew oh and God. writers and everybody had to stay away. So that was my first introduction to Newfoundland was, you know, shitty at the accent. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then I have nobody to talk to because we're quarantined. Um, but eventually, you know, I was there six years. I bought a house. Yeah. I used to hike Signal Hill. I joined the regatta. I rode in the St. John's regatta, three three regattas. Got a gold medal and a silver medal. Um, wow. I, yeah, I mean, it just became so much a part of my life. And then now that I've been back for five years, I'm like, I really want to go to Newfoundland again. So I contacted the producers of Hudson and Rex. Yeah. Because I know them. And I said, guys, I'm aching to get out there. Next thing I know, next day they're offering me a role. Wow. Except when I go there, I have to stay in this B&B that they've sequestered all their actors and or out of town crew and never leave except to go to set mm. and then back to the thing. And I went, well, the whole point of going, I wanted to go to the Duke yeah. and have a pint. And I wanted to hike Signal Hill and I wanted to see all my friends. Even though I can't hug them, I just do the old Ebola elbow. But yeah. that I wouldn't be able to see people or do anything. So mm. I decided that's not how I want to go back yeah. and re-experience such a big chunk of my life. Yeah. Anyway, okay. How did that experience as Rose, you know, as part of that that show, that show that went around the world, mm. that, that really well-crafted, amazing... Mm funny, action-packed show. Yeah. You know, how did that change you as a performer? That was my first series lead, and um, and I'd been wanting that for a long time. Yeah, I'd been putting it out to the universe for a long, long time, and I guess I wasn't ready until then. So yeah. then that made me know that I can do that. And so I did those six years, and then came home, and then a year went by, and I went, I wanna do another series. And this little voice went, we've already had one. And I went, well, fuck that. I want another one. I don't give a shit how old I am. I love how you talk to your inner voice. Yeah. I yeah. want to learn how to do that, too. <laughs> or I can just have your voice in my head. That would so be great. So I put out, I said, you know what? I want another series. The reason is because I'm really good if, a if I can develop a character over a period of time. But the main thing is, I really believe my purpose is to bring joy to the set. Because I'm laughing. All I am so happy when I'm on set. Yeah. I'm laughing all the time. And... I feel like joyous and I feel like people around me are, have the freedom to be joyous and that's and then create a family you know that's that's such a good indication that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing I right do. like I I've had that feeling like twice in my life once was when I was studying voice and I was singing a lot yeah. and then the second time is here in this room <gasps> yeah you know sitting here at this old kitchen table you know having conversations with people yeah. and I'm like I'm like I miss, I mean, especially during the COVID, yeah. the phase one of the COVID, like I desperately missed we being here. You forget space. what yeah. your pur you, 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 purpose, your purpose, you yes. know, and mine became grocery shopping and lasagnas and stuff like that. Just yeah. became, I channeled my creativity in something else. Yeah. But um, it's great that we're, when did you take singing? I um I started singing when I was like 12 years old mm. and I ended up going to a performing arts high school and I was a voice major. No way. Yeah, and that's actually how I have known Stephen Lobo, Steve Lobo for 20 almost 25 years oh, now because we we did a, a youth community th a theater production of Grease. Kaniki Rizzo Right on. Yeah. So there that's, are worse things I can do. There are worse things I can do. I love it. Then go with a boy or two. Even though the neighborhood thinks I'm trashy and no good, 
I suppose it could be true, but there are worse things I could do. Oh my God. Yeah, I love that one. You I have love a it. Beautiful, freaking voice, man. Thank you. Beautiful. That means a lot coming I'm from you. I'm goosebumping all over here. Oh. You have a beautiful instrument. Thank you. Thank do you, you ever record? Like, just I actually, I did. I have a CD that I did years ago. I saw um, that. I'm going, who's on that CD? That's me. That's me. Is it called Delicious? It's called Delicious. <laughs> Can I buy one? I'll give you one. You make me you buy one. one. I put it in my car. No, I'm gonna give you one, and then you can put it in your car. That would be. Good. I would love Are you it. Sure. I I'd totally pay for it. No, I'll make you pay for it in other ways, <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Now I got to tell you something. My dear sister, who passed away in 1994, yeah, played Rizzo. Wow. And um, it was the f- she was she was her and I we grew up we were always in dance classes we were always doing you know the Marge Berry review at the Kitson Little Showboat or the Playhouse ah! right wait re- did you grow up in Kits no 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 we, we grew up in Burnaby but Kitsilano Showboat. It's still there. It's been there. Do people yeah. still go they on there? St- well, they haven't this year. But oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like the, you could like last summer or the summer before. Mari and I went and we watched a bunch of different oh my shows. Gosh. Her dojo did some stuff there. And then oh, when fun. it's when it's closed, like Mari, like one of the things that we've we love to do is you know she'll just go and like sing and dance around on the stage, oh, and fun. then I'll just sit in the. It's an open air it's theater. It's such a big that's part right of my speech. past, yeah. man. Like performing there. So anyway, Heather, my older sister, she was three years older than me. She was a lot shyer than me. Like I somehow, I just, cause I was a, I don't know. I just was more outgoing in terms of uh, confidence with singing and dancing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she got the part of Rizzo and she blew everyone's mind. Cause mm-hmm. when she, you know, that song goes way up there and yeah, she blew everyone's mind. Anyway. Going up there was like some of my favorite moments in my life. You know, that that the endorphin yes. release have so rarely. <sighs> some people say they get it working out. I don't know, I don't. Definitely not. <laughs> but like, you know, hitting those notes and like it's just a freedom that it's I don't I I've I find it here when I get in the zone. Yeah. yeah. Um I have not had it in other areas of it's my great. life. It's great that you have it. Yeah. Cuz a lot of people go through life just doing things that they do to get by and yeah. they don't ever experience that of like yeah I think I was meant to do this it's wild because I did a seminar I used to work for a guy when I came back from Japan and broke my leg or ankle um, I needed to get a job job I thought you know, why don't I just get a job job for a while because I don't want to be a waitress anymore so my friend Alan Jacks who used to do these seminars called Mind Money and Wealth and they were about creating prosperity mm-hmm. and so I would help him run the seminar but then I took the seminar one time and he had us do a purpose statement and it started with list 10 qualities about yourself that you like so you oh. list these 10 qualities yeah. and then 10 ways you like to express those qualities so my humor i like to make people laugh i like and and my heart my love that quality about myself i love to express that to you know the people that i love yeah. anyway you eventually create this purpose statement mission statement and mine was about that mine was about using my artistry and talent in environments where I can make other people feel good about themselves. Mm. And that was 30 years ago I did that I'm going to totally steal your purpose statement because I like it. I like it a lot. Um, You have been very vocal about mental health and, Mm. you know, mental health awareness um, since long before hashtag Bell Let's Talk and, and, you know, other awareness raising hashtags. Why is this issue so important to you? Um, Okay, I'll tell you. Um, After my sister died, um, I couldn't, I couldn't stop grieving, um, and I'd known she had HIV 
for eight years yeah or six years um I couldn't get out of my grief and I was going to raise her child mm. who was now an orphan because both his parents died of AIDS and I got I gotta I have to do something and so right around that time Prozac was coming out so I went to see a doctor named Dr. McDonald she was a psychiatrist or um, and she, I, I said doctor um, I went to say her last name she goes oh no call me Heather and that was my sister's name I went okay I'm in the right place yeah I can't I don't if something spills, I cry, yeah. or I can't get out of this darkness, and I need to because I need to raise this kid. Yeah. So she put me on Prozac and said, just try it for two weeks and then come back and see me. And after about four days, I was kind of like, is this what normal is? Yes. I just, fuck, I like it. Yeah. I'm not off the chart either way. I'm not, you know, in the depths of it fucking despair. It some of the, the the cobwebs of grief away so you can actually function. Yes. I, I take it daily antidepressant. I went on them after I, I experienced suicide ideation and like PTSD and yeah. a whole bunch of stuff like after a very, very bad year. And um, I, I had been one of these people like, I don't want to go on meds because I don't want to feel, you know, I don't want to lose myself. But I was losing myself. Anyway. You yeah. Know? And then Dangerously. I, yeah. So. And I went on the antidepressant and I'm like, Oh, I can breathe right now, and I can I can function, and I feel more. I have giving myself the chance yeah. to feel more like myself. Yeah, I know. You know. Well, listen. Here's what happened. Okay, so my mother's lost her daughter, and it's Mother's Day, and we're over at my aunt's house, and Heather had been dead, I guess, two months. And I oh. said, "Mom, I got to tell you something. Um, it's a miracle, really." I um, started taking Prozac, and she went, "What? Are you crazy?" She was so fucking pissed off, and I yeah. went, "Yeah." Actually, yeah. I think I might be a little bit. And then I just thought, I don't want this word crazy. That's not right. It's, it's, everyone's walking around pretending they're okay. And most of us aren't on some level or it's another. It's so judgmental. Oh, I hate it. Okay, yeah. so things changed. Um, I just went, fuck it. I don't give a shit. Who knows? And I went on a radio show. Remember Rafe Mayer? Did you ever Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. He was looking for celebrities who had mental health uh, issues who were willing to talk openly. And mm -hmm. this was back in the 90s and I said yes get me in there I want to talk anyway I went down to CKNW I think it was and we talked and I talked about this darkness inside of me I'd been sexually abused as a kid there's mm -hmm. a dark hole inside of me and I can't fill it with food alcohol drugs I can't fill it so I need to be on this medication and I'll, I, it's saving my ass literally yeah. somebody heard that an old neighbor of mine heard that radio interview and her daughter, Shauna, had just tried to commit suicide. Her, mm -hmm. like, 16-year-old daughter. And she phoned me up and she said, I just heard you. I had no idea. Will you talk to Shauna? So I drove out to Surrey and just sit with this girl and just say, listen, you're not alone. And there's things out there to help us. Yeah. And, and so forth. Then when I was in Newfoundland, um, the girl that played Tinny, Martha Bernard, her dad, mm -hmm. Andy Jones, started Codco, which was a very famous Newfoundland comedy troupe with Mary Walsh and... Um, a whole bunch of great stars that became big stars. Anyway, um, Andy's wife, Mary Lynn, and I used to hike all the time up Signal Hill, and she was going through a really horrible summer. She said, I don't know what to do with my son. He's in and out of mental institution yeah. and had been for 13 years. He was pushing 30 now and just had never, f they could never figure out what was wrong with him and they could never figure out how to how medicate to him. him. Yeah. And they were taking a pr suicide prevention course to try and help Louis. Anyway, he hung himself by a doorknob and they found him. Oh. And oh. they put in, I know, 
And they put in his obituary, Louis died by his own hand. And nobody had ever seen that before. Yeah. And I said, Andy, that's brilliant that you didn't cover it up by saying died suddenly, because everybody knows. Yeah. And he said, Louis made a choice and I wanted to honor him. And so then Martha, their daughter, who I was working with on the show, played Tinny, her and I approached uh, one of the producers and said, hey, can we, during hiatus, borrow some cameras and make some public service announcements about mental health? We gotta start talking about this because this has to, and, and Andy's thing that he spoke about when I interviewed him, he said if Louis had had cancer or a heart attack or something, you know, it's the same thing. Yeah, He had a disease that they couldn't cure and that's how he died and I want it to be talked about that way. So then I got together with a whole bunch of people and an MP named Jerry Rogers, wonderful woman, and we started this whole campaign about mental health awareness. Mm. And all those little PSAs that Martha and I shot are in the school system. That's North, amazing. Like it really, are they on YouTube as well? If I can find them somewhere, I don't know if they put them on YouTube. I honestly don't know. I have them somewhere yeah. in my computer. I'll see what I can what I can find, and if if I do find them, I'll include them in the links for um in sure. the footnotes of this no, episode. because I, I talked yeah. about anxiety, and and Martha talked about her anxiety, and yeah, and I had a soldier who's become a friend of mine, and um, he had come back from Afghanistan and, and had developed severe PTSD. Yeah, to the point where he was hiding in the basement because he thought he was going to get shot. He's hiding in the basement in St. John's, and he won't leave for a week, and his wife's going, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Anyway, he wrote a book about his experiences, and I said, well, let me interview you. And he goes around the whole island talking to people about mental health. So it's really changed. That's such important work, starting those conversations. Absolutely. Is so important. And, and you never know who's going to to find something to hold on to in, in your words, right? Exactly. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, mental health, but in the context of the film and TV industry. Mm. Um, I, I know that there has there, there was a working group that released that PSA a yeah. couple years ago. Uh, um, what was that called? I that can't was what that campaign was. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. It's gone out of my yeah, head. Yeah, me too. Um, it was something P called Ca uh, Call Time Mental Health. Call Time Mental there Health. There you go. I knew there were. Yeah. I didn't forget Enid Ray. I did not forget. You know, I totally love that. <laughs> I'm talking directly to Enid Ray Sorry, Adams Enid right Ray. now. Sorry, okay. Enid. But we, I love and you we so will, much. We will. We will put the link to that PSA and actually that website on oh, the cool. uh, in the footnotes. But like it. In what ways does the film and TV industry like destabilize mental health, or like like do you do you see it as a place that is healthy for maintaining good mental health, or that it's like it, it's particularly challenging because of the nature of the work or the nature of auditioning? Huh, that's a biggie. That's a big question, yeah. And from only my perspective, I know is mine. Um, I generally, let's see. God, I'm trying to figure out how to frame it because like is this a healthy industry for people you know I think the hours are ridiculous oh yeah I do and um, uh, but that's obviously changing right now because the show my son is working on as a unit manager they're planning on doing nine day shoots instead of seven hmm. so that people aren't exhausted and more susceptible to getting ill that's a great yeah like, that's hello. great nobody was meant to work 14 hours yeah. a day five days a week and then, like, the thing that was really hard for people, and I hope they stop this bullshit, is Monday morning you start at 6 a.m., this crew, right? Yeah. Friday afternoon you're starting at 6 p.m. and shooting all night. 
Oh, the Friday. Friday. Well, you lose your weekend because yeah. you sleep through Saturday, and then you try and scramble and do a bunch of shit Sunday, and then you got to get to bed early. Yeah, like and I often people so are are working. Uh, they're fi- they're they're living in Vancouver, but they're shooting out in Langley yeah. or out in Michigan yeah. or whatever. And that's that those are challenging roads. As oh, well. I've shot overnight in Surrey, and I almost fell asleep on the highway driving oh. home. So I pulled over to a gas station and just cried instead and drank coffee and then I got home but yeah we'd started at like nine at night and gone till 8 a.m and then I was coming into Vancouver from Surrey with all the rush hour traffic mm. so we were just crawling along and I was just like holy crap I'm gonna fall asleep no anyway and that happened to my nephew my a lot of us in my family are in, in the film industry uh, my nephew was driving home from a shoot and he had a head-on collision oh on the Barnett Highway and wasn't killed but was brain damaged severely for about three months he was kind of locked up oh my goodness now he's okay but like that ever since then they started making new rules um, about stuff like that shouldn't take a global pandemic though to address these kind of I've always wondered though why like why these long hours well it's budgetary and everything it's like well then write differently so that you don't have to kill people my sister Susan is, um, she's the very first person, she's a pioneer. Like, she's the very first number one on the IATSE list of hairdressers. Susan Boyd was the first wow. one. And she then married a, um, an English guy, no, English guy, American, moved to the States, mm-hmm. became IATSE down there, won an Emmy. Like, she's, you know, I to me, she's like, yeah, I honor her, and um, you put respect on her name. She's my mentor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because Susie would work on film sets and say, "Hey, come visit. We're on Commercial Drive," and I'd hang out and I'd go like, "I want to do this. Yeah, I want to be on a film set." So she kind of opened the door for me, my nephew, my sister Heather, who was a production coordinator, my other sister Marion, who was a production coordinator. I had no idea. Oh, we got a locations department. Um, you could literally have your own studio. <laughs> oh, God. And Jerry, is he? I got him his first job on Godiva's. Okay, this is a really beautiful story. Godiva's. I have to tell it. Um, Godiva's, I guess that was 15 years ago. Yeah, at least. I yeah. had an arc with Steve Lobo. I paid his older girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one of the producers is a woman named Gigi Boyd. No relation. Uh, but Gigi had worked with my sister Heather on Danger Bay back in the 70s. Yeah. Heather was the assistant production coordinator. I think Gigi was in accounting or something. I can't remember back then. Now she's a producer. Anyway, I approached her one day. I said, listen, you know, Heather's son is 19 now. And is there any way you would give him a shot at like any sort of low-level job, like whatever? She said, well, sure, as long as he turns up on time and and uh, blah, blah, blah. So Jerry's going to start as a PA at 19. Anyway, um, Gigi came up to me and she said, when I saw him, he looked so much like Heather, I had to hide behind a set and bawl my eyes out because wow. she hadn't seen him since he was two or something. Anyway, so we get Jerry job and then Gigi comes up to me another day. She goes, you need to buy that kid some long underwear. He's freezing his ass off. <laughs> so I went, okay, Gigi, I'm going. I go to Sears. I get the Stanfield, you know, up top and bottom. Yeah. Bring it home. I'm going to wash it first. And you know how sometimes there's one of those things inspected by uh, in a garment? Yeah. Like it'll be a little sticker or a little piece of paper. Well, I opened the thing and this little piece of paper went. I went, inspected by Heather. <gasps> I told Gigi that and we both started crying. going to make me cry too. Stop. Stop. Okay. Wow. Anyway, that's a beautiful wow. story. She's still around. Heather's around. That's Very really lovely. Part of my life. Um, Let's talk about roles. 
before we talk about favorite things, okay, and just oh, yeah. letting I'm just letting you know that favorite things that's coming. Oh, okay. So that's on the horizon. Oh my God. You ready? Okay. okay. But first, we're going to talk about roles. Okay. Like, what is a Linda Boyd? A Linda Joan Boyd role. <laughs> like, what qualities need to be present in a role to get you really excited? Oh, t- okay. Um, humor. Hmm. Um, I, I tend to go for these parts. They write it like, I don't think they're going to write this anymore in the descriptions and the breakdowns, but um, aging beauty queen. I get that. That, that needs to be. Um, what else? Um you can tell she was once attractive, but she's had a hard life. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> These are some of the things, the right? snort is killing but me, But I too. mean, but Rose was kind of like that. Like, she kind of had had a hard life. She turned evidence on Nicholas Campbell's character, so he ended up in prison, and I got free, and I escaped to St. John's thinking nobody's ever going to find me here. Yeah. And, of course, he shows up. Um, and, <clears throat> yeah, humor, hum- you know what? The, my favorite roles have been like in musicals. I played uh, Magenta in Rocky Horror. Mm. Absolutely freaking love that role. Yeah. I played Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop, yeah. Absolutely love that role. Um, and I, I loved playing Rose because um, she was smart. She had answers. And it used to be a drinking game called The Republic of Drinking. <laughs> And on Wednesday nights on Facebook, <laughs> when Doyle was on, right after Dragon's Den, yeah. um, people would play the Republic of Drinking, and <clears throat> every time every time Jake said something stupid, you had to take a shot. Every so time, drunk in the first five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Maliki took a swat at him, his other shot. And anytime Rose said something useful. <laughs> and now you have alcohol poisoning. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. What a great show. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is, is there a type of role that you won't do anymore that you'd be like, I don't even want to audition for that? I, I It's not worth my time. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay, I'm not going to name names, but a role in which the lead character is a female in her 30s who has a brilliant career as a lawyer or publisher, comes home to her small town um, for some reason mm-hmm. and realizes that being with the one is more important and she's willing to give up her big city life and live in the small town. No one listening has any idea what kind of show or, or network you're talking about, I'm sure. <laughs> Those shows. Those shows. Won't do it. Yeah. I can't keep, it's misogynistic and it's, I mean, thank God they're being more inclusive now in terms of their casting because it used to be a whitewash. Yeah. So that's good. Getting more actors working—that's great. But what? But, but like, personally, I can't. What I don't want to see, though, is is for instance, you know, um, a Christmas movie that has you know a, a gay couple at the heart of it. But it's literally about like so one gay guy is comes from the city and he yeah. he's like he doesn't have the meaning of Christmas anymore and then he meets this other guy. Like I don't like and, I don't want to see the like I love heartwarming stuff, mm-hmm. you know. But I don't want it just to be like let's let's take an LGBTQ story or let's take a South Asian like diverse cast and wrap it in. And Put it in that because then it's still that structure of like white supremacy, you know, like is that's the storytelling. And, you know, not everybody has to get married and have kids. You know what I mean? Like it would be nice. Actually, it was wild because my grandson saw a picture of some people dressed quite androgynous. And he said, oh, are those boys or girls? I said, well, you know what? Nowadays, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You just be who you are and be a good person. Yeah. And forget about all the other crap. My 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 daughter knows how to say that uh, gender is a construct, you know? And, right and, on. But, like, I also find that at her school and this generation, like, they get it. 
You know, they do. My, know. my daughter's friends with a lot of ki- like t- trans boys and trans girls, right? Like, and it's, it's what did these kids yeah. do before? You know, I just go because my doctor, my GP. Uh, one day I went to see her about a year ago and she goes, I have something to tell you. Do you remember how I had a boy and a girl? Kids? I now have two girls. I went, what? What do you mean? She goes, my my son has transitioned. I went, wow, how old's your son again? Seven. And I'm going, it blows my mind because what did people do before? How did these little humans, spirits, function they, I mean, in a the lot of times, was saying, no, you're- they didn't, and and they they a lot of people experienced abuse, or they 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 uh, tried to to numb their their hurt and pain, yeah. you know, in in various addictions. So, yeah. you know, I mean, there's still a lot of work, a lot of work to right. do, you know. But but um, it it is. I'm I I look at my daughter and her friends, and I am there's really hope. hopeful. I'm so hopeful. Yeah. Favorite things. You're okay. Ready. Speaking ready. of my daughter, she uh, she helped in the development of yeah. these questions. Did she just come up to you and say, "Mom, why don't you try this one time?" Yeah. Well, she did that for the first batch of questions, and they went over so well. Mm. Um, but I've we, recently we decided to change them up a little. Okay. Bit. You know, so it's input from her and also input from Twitter. So oh, okay. So oh, cool. the, the, the key though is to answer from don't your think. gut. Don't think. Just yeah. And the joy for me is just watching people be terrified. Sarah Canning had like the biggest like. Like oh my god! And then she sang the, <laughs> she wrapped the um the opening theme from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air in there as oh, well. Jesus. Like it's, it was it was really amazing. Good All right for her, Sarah Canning when she first got out of acting school, her first job was with me. <gasps> no way! And it was so much fun. I played this really hard ass land developer in Slapshot Three. My name was Bernie, and I drove a black Hummer. <laughs> Don't fuck with Bernie. I'm gonna fucking mow down your everything and build my own shit. Don't fuck with Bernie. That's anyway, been Bernie played, Sanders uh, slogan. <laughs> it's on my bumper sticker. She played my assistant Hope, and I was so like my whole character was awful to her. Like she brings me a cup of coffee, and I go spit it out. It's not Starbucks. Take it away. Get Starbucks. Like that wow. kind of thing. We had a lot of fun on. And then show. years later, yeah. she's Charlie, and you're Rosanna, and it's I the know. same kind of relationship on I know. hospital show. Listen, I see what you're doing here, trying to distract I know. me from asking. Because all of a sudden, questions. I got nervous. Okay, yeah. I'm going to close my eyes. You start firing questions. Okay. Favorite locally shot series. Da Vinci's Inquest. Nice. Even though that was years ago. Yeah. yeah. Always okay. has been. Yep. Favorite screen partner. This is an unfair one. I know. I'm going to say Victor Garber because I work with him a lot and I'm about to work with him again and we're going to laugh our asses off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make his life a living hell. Actually, it's a tie because the man that played Malachi yeah. on Republican Doyle, Sean McGinley, Irish actor, kindest man, really funny. And I used to do this thing to Sean just for fun right before a close up on him literally and they're locking roll sound lock it up I would reach over and pluck one of the hairs off his head ah! <laughs> action and we do the scene cut fuck off that's why Mal was so grumpy all the time well, it was this it was the Sean key. tells people he had a full head of hair when he arrived in Newfoundland and that Linda Boyd is the reason why he's mostly bald now but I said Sean you had one little silver hair sticking up I couldn't let you do your close up like that I, had, I, had, I must have done that about 50 times. Kindness. <laughs> anyway, wow. so him and Victor. That's Dave's favorite karaoke song. Ah. Billy Ray was a preacher's son, and when his daddy would visit, he'd come along. 
When they gather around and started talking, that's when Billy would take me walking. Through the back door we go walking. Then he'd look into my eyes. Lord knows to my surprise, the only boy could ever reach me. Son of a preacher man. Yeah. Uh, Dusty Springfield. Why'd you stop? Why'd you stop? Okay. okay. Um, I actually, I think I know the answer to this next question. Okay. Um, favorite comfort food? Lasagna. Lasagna. Yeah, <laughs> you're literally Garfield. Favorite thing to eat at craft services? Because it's not going to be like that anymore. I They're know. not going to have open air. In everything. the before times, what in was your be- favorite thing? Back in the olden days. Yeah. What was it? Of March. Of March, <laughs> yeah, right. Crap, what would it be? I always liked when you're working and it's later at night, and on Doyle, we had the best crafties. Oh, I bet you did. They would come around with trays of like a little individual chili and or soup. What? So if it's late at night and you're tired and cold, that would They give you some clam chowder or something? Something like that, yeah. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So, yeah, something in a, in a, in a Something cup. warm but filling. Yeah. I love that. Favorite supervillain? Oh, Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor yeah. in Superman. Because before I did Supergirl, um, I couldn't find any information on Eve, yeah, Eve's mother, and I think Valerie Perrin. Did she play Eve in the original? Anyway, I en- ended up watching the original Superman and falling yeah. in love with Christopher Reeve all over. Oh yeah, and Margot as well, yeah. Margot Kidder. Yeah, have you interviewed her her niece Janet? No, Janet Kidder is a phenomenal actress. She lives around here. I believe she's with the characters. Okay, I will oh, be in touch. Or Murray at okay. uh, Red. Murray. Janet Kidder is, okay. yeah, she's just a phenomenal actress and that was her auntie. Yeah. Aw. Yeah. Favorite book when you were a little girl? I loved the Narnia. Yeah. Going through the wardrobe. Mine, which in the wardrobe. fantasy, eh? Like yeah. every kid's fantasy. Yeah, that was yeah. my favorite book. Uh, favorite holiday? I gotta say, I had a, there's two. Um, when I was married back a hundred years ago, um, I had my nephew who I was raising now and then two stepkids. And the five of us did a 10 country European camping trip that took about six weeks. Wow. So we saw, oh, so many things. Cause you're camping and, and like we'd camp by a river in Belgium and they'd put fresh baguette on your picnic table in the what? morning. Oh no, it was magical. Um, that trip, and then plus I went to Jamaica. To, uh, um, the first time I'd ever been to an all-inclusive. There was a man in Newfoundland that I fell in love with. Mm. And he said, we should really go away to get to know each other. So we went to Jamaica. And I'd never been to Jamaica before, because I think when you're West Coast, you kind of go to Mexico. You go to Mexico or you go to Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. And the East Coast, they go they go to the Caribbean, they go to Florida. Florida. Yeah. yeah. So he was well-versed in Jamaica. Anyway, I had the best time there. Just literally... It was right on a hiatus from Doyle, I think season three. And yeah, I'd never been in a pool bar. I'd never, yeah. Oh, fun. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very special kind of kind of trip. Okay, favorite scent? Dolce & Gabbana light blue. Oh. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah, That's okay. my thing. These yeah. are all very, okay. And um, favorite advice to give new actors? Don't quit till your miracle happens. And always keep working on your craft. Yeah. Because, you, you know, I just signed up for a, a scene study, Zoom scene study with Andrew McElroy. Oh, yeah. And then I booked all this work, so I can't do it right now. But I just thought, you just got to keep doing something. It's like exercise. If you don't keep working it, 
I want to talk a bit more about mir- the miracle. The um, Kutu miracle happens. Yeah, like so. What like what for you is the miracle? For me, it was being a lead. Yeah, in a series, and um, Laurie Trello told me that years ago. Laurie. She said, "Don't quit till your miracle happens." Yeah. And I went, "You're right." But you got your miracle, and I know what my miracle is. Yeah. And at 49 years of age, I became a series lead. Yeah. So I can tell any actor below me. Yeah. Look. I didn't quit and my miracle happened. It just yeah. took longer than other people. And then once you got your miracle. Yeah, it just, I kept, well, make some more miracles. Yeah, <laughs> make some more miracles. Yeah. yeah. I love that idea of like, you know, reserving the right to, to have new miracles or change what your miracle yeah. is, you know? Yeah. I love that. Hey, we're all making this up as we go along, so why not make up good stuff? I love that. All right. We're, we're, we're drawing to a, an end here. Are we now? I'm yeah. having fun. I am too. And please come back. Okay. Please, Anytime. please come back. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, I want to do something big when Family Law comes out. You know, oh, like cool. a whole like month of Family Law interviews. So we'll we'll try to figure that out cool. for that time. But like, let's go. Let's talk about what the fuck moments. <laughs> you know, like in your career, like what would be like a what the fuck? This is actually my life moment for you. Okay, the first thing that popped in my head. Uh, I did a play in 1987 with the group of actors from England from a show called On the Buses. Okay. Now this was a British comedy from the late 60s, early 70s. And because my mom was British, she liked to watch British comedies. Yeah. And it was about So like, are you being served and like carry on and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, we had that stuff on all the time. And um, there was this show On the Buses where this bus driver, Stan, still lived with his mom. And his sister, Olive, still lived with mom and Olive's nasty old husband. And they were bus drivers and they got into all kinds of shenanigans they were always trying to find birds and they were two homely looking guys him and his buddy Stan or um, Jack I think anyway that was when I was a teenager and then the arts club did a production and of On the Buses and brought some of the original cast out wow and I'm like these are my idols right yeah. so I'm at the arts club Granville Island our first day of rehearsal and I'm looking at Doris Hare who's now at that age, she was 88 when she came out to do wow. on the buses. Yep. She had been in the West End, London. Noel Coward had written songs for her. She was like a, you know, very famous. Very big deal. Yeah. Anyway, her and Olive and Arthur, the, the couple that live with mom. And I was just remember looking at them going, I think I've made it. I really, because I'm with these real stars. Yeah. On the buses, <laughs> 1987. Um, then the next one was, uh, Diane Keaton picked me to play her best friend in a movie called On Thin Ice. Hmm. And it was a TV movie shot in Winnipeg in the dead of winter. It was like minus 35 wind chill. Everyone's snot was freezing. But anyway, that's, I digress. Diane Keaton picked me to be her best friend. And it, it was based on a true story about two single mothers who started dealing drugs to feed their family, basically. That sounds amazing. And um, uh, my character ends up killed gangland style and oh that sounds less amazing Diane ended up getting hooked on I think it was math we were selling um, but the first day we worked in the grocery store I'm pushing my little cart and it's full of things and she's pushing her cart she's hardly got anything because she has no money mm-hmm. she's like noticing that if I all of a sudden got money and my kids dressed well she's like how are you doing all this anyway we rehearsed it and I went back to my trailer and there was a dude playing my boyfriend this wonderful um, Montreal actor Lothair Bluto. And I said, Lothair, I'm so nervous around her. I mean, it's Annie Hall for Christ's sake. Yeah. It's Diane Keaton. I can't just relax and get into my character. 
I don't know, I, I gotta stop doing it, I gotta fix this. And he said, listen, I just came back from New York where I was doing a workshop of a play with Al Pacino. Mm. And I was so nervous, I was so nervous around him and, and we never really spoke. And then one day we were at the snack table and I was looking for something to eat. Lothar was quite a thin guy. And he said, all of a sudden Al Pacino showed up beside me and he said, look like you could eat, you need to eat something. <laughs> meaning you're quite skinny, but the guy was shy. Yeah, And so I went back out there and I thought, okay. He said, take care of her. Put all your focus on making sure she's comfortable, mm. Diane. So I went back to my little grocery cart and we are in first position. I went, just do it, fucking do it, fucking do it. Diane, um, what attracted you to this material? And she said, well, frankly, I needed the money. And I was like, oh, what a beautiful person. Yeah. She, and then she's like, a human being. She is. She yeah. was such, so She's good Diane me. Keaton, and she's Diane, a human being. Diane. And two years later, she calls me up. She goes, hey, got another movie. I want to fly you to San Diego. So it, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That That's kind of yeah. fucking great. There's some cool people out there, boy. There are, and there is a huge concentration of cool people up here in Vancouver, mm -hmm. you included, Thank Linda Joan-Boyd. Joan where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on all the social media? I'm so pathetic with social media, but I do have Linda Boyd Media is my Instagram. And what's the other one? Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, those are, are my on, Twitter. Are you on the Twitter? <laughs> not so much lately. I haven't been on the Twitter. <laughs> not on the Twitter. Oh, for God's sakes. Oil, manly, yes, but oil like a tool. No, you can't have that accent. You suck. I <laughs> oh, took one layer of stress off of me. But that's good because then we got a whole other story. Like, and I, I love the story yeah. that, that you had. Um, you'll come back, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, we, we, we barely scratched the surface, I, well, I feel. I yeah, we have a lot to talk about. A lot to talk yeah. about. And okay. off the record stuff, too. You got to come back with it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners. You can find us on all the socials uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram not Snapchat uh, not TikTok oh god I'm not on those my Ew. daughter says I'm not allowed to be on those I'm so uncool um, at YVR Screen Scene the YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me Sabrina Furminger. I'm the only one to blame. And it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, and to Tyson Braddock and Paul Furminger for technical support. We really are a family business. And to Dane Develay for the original music. Wyvere Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic, 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 like how I said dynamic, <laughs> film and television scene. <laughs> and cut. It's, it's dynamic. Dynamic. Don't forget that. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to give you the last word. Can you say it one more time? Dynamic. Hiring professional performers makes all the difference to the success of any recorded media project. Did you know that the Union of BC Performers, ACTRA, provides agreements for all budgets and types of productions, including commercials, TV series, and movies, feature films, from big budget to Canadian indies and student films, animation series, video games, web series, and even streaming video on demand, like Netflix? For instance, our highly successful UBCP ACTRA Ultra Low Budget Agreement encourages and facilitates artistic collaboration between professional performers and independent producers who wish to produce very low budget or even no budget productions. No matter what your budget, we've got you covered, and you too can benefit from UBCP ACTRA's award-winning world-class performers. 
So, if you need actors, voiceover artists, stunt coordinators, stunt performers, singers, dancers, puppeteers, stand-ins, background performers, ranging across any age or demographic, then just contact us at UBCP Actra. Make your project the very best that it can be. This message was read by a UBCP Actra member. Go to ubcp.com for more information.